Hey there dudes and dudettes, and welcome to Extreme Movie Reviews, where the takes are as extreme as literally any product you could have bought in the 90s. It's totally time to set your Tamagotchis down, pick up your pogs off of the floor, sit back, and relax for a radical time with your host. Steve, thanks for tuning in. We're just going to hop right into it today. Here's the trailer for Dumb and Dumber. What are we going to do? We got an idea. Dumb, a person lacking mental power. What's her last name? I'll look it up. Starts with an S. Swappy. No. Swap. Swappy. No. Maybe send a briefcase. Look at the. Oh yeah, it's right here. Samsonite. I was way off. Idiot. An adult mentally inferior to a child of three. Skis, huh? That's right. The years? Uh huh. Both of them. Stupid, a person below normal intelligence. Hey, why you're the most annoying sound in the world? If they each had half a brain, they'd still only have half a brain. Oh, look, Frost. recommend the movie guys i have seen this movie a million times and i don't think i'm exaggerating um growing up it was i was on like tbs or and or usa and tnt it's also one of the first two dvds that i ever bought for myself and that was probably rather late in life i guess i don't come from a family that like loves movies so early teen years maybe is when i'm buying some dvds um tommy boy and dumb and dumber the first two that I bought. So huge nostalgic value for me. I'll try to keep some of that out of my recommendation, but not not right now. I give this movie five stars. I love this movie. I wish I could recommend it for everyone, but I'm aware that some people don't like this kind of humor. It is totally stupid humor. So I, I can't recommend it to someone who doesn't like a little bit of brain dead humor from time to time. But if you like brain dead humor, it's a really, really like good movie to watch because it is well done. The movie's aged well. There's no CGI in the movie, so that always helps, I think, for aging. It's just kind of a timeless film. It's a character film. I think all character films have a timelessness to the formula because people don't change. So I would recommend this movie to anyone that doesn't fall in the category of don't like stupid humor. My generation, generation above me, younger than me, uh, it's probably PG rated, rated PG-13. It should be rated PG-13. Take that as you may. Can you watch PG-13 movies or can your kid? Then go right ahead and watch it. There's some butt cheek in it. There's uh, some violence. 
maybe a couple there's a couple sexual suggestive things scenes in it very little swearing but swear words aren't out of the question it's a good movie i saw it at a pretty young age but that was on cable tv so i don't know all i know is i fucking love this movie so you should probably watch it if you've never seen it and if you've seen it and it's been a long time fucking watch it again after this hey dude i was just wondering could you tell me more about the movie Dumb and Dumber is directed by the Fairley Brothers, who have an extensive resume spanning across 11 films. Honestly, you'd probably recognize names of all their joint films, but um, funny enough, their first four films all centered around a road trip. Three of those road trips beginning in Rhode Island, which is where the road trip in this movie will begin. We have our lead characters. That's Harry Dunn and Lloyd Christmas, who are played by Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey, respectively. The movie begins with an introduction to each character in which they each get fired from their jobs. The setup makes two things clear. These two are absolute morons, and this isn't the first time that they've been jobless. I would say, you know, they're, they're not rock stars at life. In our introduction to Harry, we kind of get an introduction to each. And in the introduction to Harry, we are also introduced to a van that is quite literally been transformed to look like a sheepdog. Like, it has fur and everything. Did you make up a vehicle? Uh, yes, sir. They're driving an 84 sheepdog. It's pretty hilarious. Harry works at a dog grooming company, and he's on his way to drop off several freshly groomed dogs for his business. Uh, well, it's not his business, and Harry figures that they should probably not be performing on an empty stomach. So he purchases some fast food and some condiments for before their show. He goes speeding off, takes some sharp turns. The condiments are literally like in bottles. You could imagine this doesn't go over well. Uh, when they arrive, he opens up the back door to the van and the animals are just an absolute mess with ketchup and mustard all over them. So Harry gets fired from his job. And then we get our introduction to Lloyd. We found out that he's a limo driver in a quick scene in the beginning of the movie where he actually pretends to be the owner of the limo and he asks for directions from this attractive lady who he attempts to hit on. That's a lovely accent you have. New Jersey? Austria. Austria? <laughs> well then, <laughs> good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. Then Lloyd goes to pick up Mary. Swim, swimmy, sl slippy, slappy, swimming, salmon, salmon, swanson, 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 who he falls in love with at first sight. Upon dropping her off after an incredibly dangerous ride to the airport, Lloyd manages to finally get in a crash while staring at Mary through the airport windows. This is why he ends up getting fired from his job. But at that point, um, he also noticed that Mary sets down a suitcase in the airport lobby, and then she proceeds to go ahead without the suitcase to her terminal. Lloyd, thinking that this is obviously an accident, rushes in to save the day. So he gets, he grabs the suitcase, and he tries to, you know, run and get it to her in time, but he fails, um, doesn't reach the terminal in time. What he doesn't know, though, is that that suitcase is actually ransom money for Mary's husband, who was kidnapped. There were also two people as Harry, or as Lloyd, came rushing into the airport to grab the suitcase. He, he burst through these two people who are clearly going to pick up the suitcase. Kind of look like uh, maybe mafia-type gangsters. 
a lady and a guy. Right before they could pick it up, pick him up! Lloyd swoops in and then goes to the apartment, but the kidnappers actually tail Lloyd then back to his apartment. Once at the apartment, uh, we figure out that Lloyd and Harry are roommates, and they, they don't own much at all. There's like two chairs, um, a worm farm. I got worms. A parakeet. Pretty bird. Yeah, can you say pretty bird? Pretty bird. Yes, pretty bird. Pretty bird. A side table and a poster on the wall. That's pretty much it from what I recall. Of course, um, they also now are the owners of this nice suitcase that they cannot get open because there is a lock on it. The two sit down and they discuss their day, at which point Lloyd exclaims, Lost my job too. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> so the two who tailed uh, Lloyd back to the apartment show up at the door, and Harry and Lloyd look through the peephole, and they can see that these two have guns. Somehow these two idiots assume that it's probably the gas company coming to collect on their unpaid gas bill. I guess that's how they did things in the 90s. That, that little detail is important because they will later, shortly later, allude to the two kidnappers as like the gas man in a little written note that they leave when they leave for their trip across the country. The gas man quote actually sets off some alarms for our semi-idiotic kidnappers that Harry and Lloyd uh, must be professionals. Otherwise, how would they know that he has gas? That That's really important because it allows... Harry and Lloyd to not just get straight up murdered. Um, you know, the, the kidnappers are trying to figure out, like, are they messing with the FBI? Like, who are these people? Since they haven't had direct contact with them, I guess they can't quite figure out that they're just absolute morons. You know, they don't know the whole picture yet. The two kidnappers broke into the apartment, but there wasn't much to trash, so they ended up cutting off the parakeet's head. Yeah, can you say pretty bird? That evening... Harry and Lloyd um, returned back to their apartment after they had ditched when the two showed up with their guns. And when Harry and Lloyd return to the apartment and they see this, they just think that the parakeet's head has fallen off. So, I, I guess that helps to put our two uh, little morons at an all-time low here. I would say this is probably not the only time that they've hit rock bottom, but they're hitting rock bottom again. They just both had jobs. Now they don't. Life doesn't come easy for these two. So, um, you know, they're just over everything. I've had it with this dump! We got no food, we got no jobs, our pets' heads are falling off! And with that, they decide that they're going to go on a trip to someplace warm. Aspen. You know, geography isn't a strong point for these two, because Aspen is not someplace warm. But, anyways... Before the road trip and all the movie's hijinks begin, I mean, honestly, this whole beginning setup is also loaded with one-liners, and it's funny. But um, we do get one touching moment between Harry and Lloyd. You know what I'm sick and tired of, Harry? I'm sick and tired of having to eke my way through life. Sick and tired of being a nobody. Most of all, I'm sick and tired of having nobody. They embrace each other in a hug, and the scene is done really, really well. Like, it's it's touching. Uh, it, it hits your emotional heartstrings here. 
So I think this was important. This really shows us that these two are human and that they care about each other. So as an audience, you know, we get to, we get a moment of sympathy for Harry and Lloyd. The movie knows that. Like, um, the movie knows what the movie is. So this happens for a pretty brief period of time before Lloyd just goes, okay, that's enough. I think it's really just the directors telling us as the audience, don't worry, this isn't a sappy movie. This is the comedy that you came here for. We're moving on now. Uh, you know, quite literally to us. That really sets up the entire movie. And now it's time for Harry and Lloyd to go on a road trip from Rhode Island to Colorado. The whole thing is just wonderfully hilarious to me at every moment. A few observations about this movie and then uh, some reasons on why this movie works. It's a weird way to introduce this, but... In the beginning of the movie, um, it's really paved with a lot of stupid, stupid humor, small gags that really allow the viewer to know like what they're in for. This is not highbrow humor. It's lowbrow humor. And just how idiotic these two morons are. Like, twice in the first few minutes, they really make it clear that Lloyd is terrible with geography. They also make it clear that they're terrible with money. And they are poor um, with, like, their situational awareness and their kind of their people skills. Those three things are pretty much all you need to know. So I think it's really a nice setup and allows for the meat of the movie to be longer and to just be more fun. Three reasons, three reasons why this movie works. I think part of where this movie succeeds the most is that Jim Carrey isn't, um, he doesn't go full Carrey. He's not like classic Carrey. It's sprinkled in a few times, but I'm going to say the directors probably, they don't let it go too far, which really helps the movie. And I would have to say, I'll go into it a little more with my acting grades, but like everybody takes the roles seriously, which really helps the movie. Another success of this movie is that these two are very, very dumb, but they're not so dumb that they like can't operate in the real world. You know, they can come up with their own ideas. I guess they're usually dumb ideas, and most of those ideas, if not all of them, are Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd Christmas. Why do I keep wanting to call him Christopher Lloyd? And the third reason is the relationship between the two is, like, it feels real. It has real weight to it. They they do a good job of, I guess, keeping everything grounded in reality for the film. Um, One thing I just thought about, like, a fourth reason this movie really works is that throughout the movie, nobody realizes how dumb these people are. Like, the, the actors aren't in on it. They don't know that these people are the dumbest people in the world. And so, once again, that helps keep the movie grounded. And that's... This movie's... I'm not trying to say this movie is smart in any way. Except for maybe how the directors direct it. <laughs> because... It keeps some of the silliness out. If everybody's taking it seriously, it makes the movie better as a whole. What's your favorite scenes? My favorite scenes, uh, my favorite quotes. At this point, I'm not going to guarantee no spoilers. I don't know that this movie has any real big spoilers, but anyways. This was really, 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 really tough for me because in all honesty, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. So the whole movie is my favorite scene. (laughs) 
Alright. In order to make this work timing wise, I've limited myself to my top five scenes. I didn't order them in any way. Similarly, I had to limit myself to my top five single one-liners from the movie slash quotes. I did not include any that I've played already. So anything that happens in the first 15 minutes of the movie would not be involved here. Or for my favorite one-liners, anything that's happened in the beginning, up until I get to one-liners, if you've heard a quote, I didn't include it in my top five. Some of them deserved to be included, though. First scene that I have listed from my top five is when they're driving in the sheepdog and Lloyd is peeing in the beer bottles and then they get stopped by a state trooper. You, uh, you fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on grandpa's old cough medicine? Which, by the way, is Harold Williams who pulls them over. You would recognize him from, like, Half-Baked. Also, uh, Rocket Man from 1997. Harold Williams is, I think, an example of the kind of acting that they got in this movie because he's also a great physical actor. He can he can nail some facial funny tweaks, and um, I think a lot of the actors in this movie have that. Second scene, Lloyd's uh, first like dream sequence that he goes into uh, from from the start after having cocktails with Mary and the family. He's telling all those stupid ass jokes, followed by like that Bruce Lee esque fight scene. Then finally he's making out with Mary and um, he's just he's choking her with his tongue. Why I think it's so brilliant is because it shows Lloyd's lack of social awareness he has. He's not even close to being suave in his own freaking dreams. That's how bad he is at this stuff. It's funny to think about. Third scene is when they pick up Joe and they're acting like, I don't know, like the worst kind of like 14-year-old, whatever, young teenager brothers that are sitting in the back seat on a long road trip for a parent. Like, they're just ridiculous together. First, you got the uh, most annoying sound in the world scene in there. And then they pick up some more hitchhikers and I just love their rendition of Mockingbird when they're alone. And then to top it off when they have the hitchhiker singing with them. I, it's been my favorite scene since I was little. Radio? <laughs> Who needs a radio? Ready, Harry? Mock! Yeah! Ing! Yeah! Bird! Yeah! 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 Mockingbird, don't everybody have you heard? You heard. She's gonna buy She's gonna me buy a mockingbird. If I had to explain the movie, these are the five scenes that come to mind. Scene number four. I love the entire scene. Everybody does, I'm sure. When they go to the benefit for the owls. From their outfits to the sword fighting with the canes, to them hitting each other with the canes overly hard, to Lloyd spraying one of the bad guys in the face with his uh, breath mint spray, to like just an overload of one-liners throughout that whole scene. There's the corkscrew hitting the owl. Nice set of hooters you got there. 
The owls, they're beautiful. And then the stepmom is um, like her impression of the overly, overly rich lady. That actress is really good. She's actually in probably a, a lot of stuff that maybe an older generation would remember. But some of us would remember her from Mr. Mom. She also played Inga in Young Frankenstein, which is a wonderful movie that I finally watched a few years ago. Recommend it. Finally, when Harry is trying to set up the date for Lloyd, I love how like sexy Lloyd is trying to be at the bar and cool. It's a top-notch comedy. It's one of the times where I think the directors let Jim Carrey go loose a little bit. And number five. Well, one of the top five. The entire date scene with Harry and Mary go skiing. I love it. I mean, yeah, from when he walks into the main cabin and just knocks everything right over to him licking the metal and getting his tongue frozen, the snowman build, and then, of course, the snow fight. I just, I got too many. But what if he shot you in the face? What if he shot me in the face? That's a risk we were willing to take. Next. There's no way I can put these in any order. It's going to be like my favorite one-liners and quotes. And I'm going to say these five, I ended up choosing them as my favorite pretty much because these are the ones that have made it into my everyday life. And not everybody knows that I'm quoting movies when I say them, but it happens regularly. One of my top five one-liners, the soup du jour scene. What is the soup du jour? It's the soup of the day. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have that. Number two is gonna be when the pills are good. I just love how it's said. Number three. And you totally redeemed yourself. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber. You go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! Number four. When he's walking to the bar and he looks at the uh, newspaper. We landed on the moon! No way! Oh, that's crazy! We landed on the moon! Number five. I'm cheating. Because there's got four quotes in here maybe. This one, he goes, I desperately want to make love to a schoolboy. Mary. I desperately want to make love to a schoolboy. I like you a lot. I like you a lot. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say... More like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! And then a short bit later, I'm really cheating by adding this one in. Wait a minute! What was all that one in a million talk? That was totally dope! What do you say that we get down in technical, if you know what I mean? First, let's look at the writing. Um, so kind of the structure of the 
film, I mean, it works great. The The language is all totally natural. I'm sure there was a lot of uh, ad-libbing going on. And uh, what I really enjoy about the movie is that setup in the beginning that I've already talked about in this review. I really think they set up the movie nicely to allow us to have a, a fat uh, second act, the meat of the movie. For a comedy, I really enjoy that. I think a lot of comedies um, like lose their humor when they get into the actual meat of the movie. So they have like a long first structure where it's like a half hour, and that's where most of the humor is at, and then and then the movie follows up some sort of loose plot or whatever. The plot of the movie is also just obviously perfectly fine. It's thin, and uh, I really enjoy the writing. I would, I would give the writing a, a nine out of ten. I just, sure, there's some issues. I can't recall any right now. Uh, second, let's look at the cinematography of the film. Um, there was some neat like editing tricks that could go along with the cinematography, uh, as far as some techniques used for some transitions that I enjoyed. It is just a straightforward '90s comedy. The cinematography is not anything special, but it fits the movie just fine. So I'm going to go right in between perfect and average, give it a seven and a half. Uh, in regards to the editing of the movie, I just spoke a little bit about the editing. Once again, I think they did a really nice job of um, when Jim Carrey goes into his like daydreams. It's not super obvious, but you know that that's what's happening. The pacing's great on the movie, so I'm going to give the editing an 8 out of 10. Next up would be looking at the acting. Uh, this movie is filled with great actors. I don't think this movie works without, especially the two lead roles. Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels obviously just carry the show. It's pretty magnificent. Um, you can tell they really got into these roles. And I think I mentioned it earlier. How seriously they took the role really helped. Um, you can tell a difference between, like, uh, let's just say Dumb and Dumber versus Dumb and Dumber 2. Where it's it's a super silly in Dumb and Dumber 2. But here, I guess you buy how much of an idiot these two are. Um, on top of that, the facial humor between them and a lot of the other side characters is amazing. Also, the directors did a great job with probably everyone, but especially with holding Jim Carrey back a little bit from going full carry. I'd say the the only negatives I caught was that there are a couple of times where you can tell that they're doing like a scene where they're ad-libbing. It might start out a little bit slow in the scene until they catch a groove, there's just a couple knocks to the acting. Overall, amazing, and this movie wouldn't be what it is if they just went and grabbed anybody. I'm sure the directors knew that. And so the acting, unfortunately, it's not perfect, but it is as close to perfect as it gets. Acting 9.5 out of 10. Next, we'll look at uh, the production design. Um, it sure feels like everything's really shot like on location. Nobody feels out of place. It's an easier type of movie to to um, have good production design for. So production design, I'll give it a another seven and a half out of ten. 
Next is going to be the sound design. I'm trying to think of any examples of like sound effects used, but nothing stood out. Uh, you know, sometimes movies can use some silly sound effects. It's it's all good, and the music for this movie is amazing. And the music's like perfect. It only adds to the movie. Sound design, I'm going to give a 10 out of 10. So if I'm looking strictly at comedies, this movie is a 10 out of 10. If I'm going to compare it with comedy, but they went out and they got the right actors. And like I said, they took it seriously and that, and, and they filled up the side roles with good actors. So there's really no weak points. 10 out of 10. And of course, my personal enjoyment, I think we all know, is going to be a 10 out of 10. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Depending on the day, it might be my favorite of all time. So with that, for uh, the technical score out of 10, I have this movie an 8.9. And I think that is fair. I wouldn't call it a perfect movie. But it's especially in the realm of comedy, toilet humor comedy, it's really up there with as good as it gets. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. I just, I love this movie. And I think that you should see it too. Uh, 8.9 out of 10. think Lloyd's really a good person um just kind of shows how dumb they are and how idiotic both of them are but you know specifically in that case how idiotic Lloyd is for calling someone an idiot for getting fired after they just got fired that same day 